Hello and welcome to Bruins Built This, a daily Bruin podcast about UC Life student and alumni entrepreneurs. My name is Isabel Locke, a podcast contributor, and I'm here for another episode of Bruins Built This. Today I'm interviewing Cheyenne Faulkner, who manages her own business, Beads by Shy Designs. Beads by Shy Designs allows her to be connected to her native culture. We will be diving deep into the beginning of journey of Beads by Shy Designs and the hopes and dreams for the business on the podcast today. Hello, Cheyenne, and welcome to Bruins Built This. We are excited to talk to you. Hi, thanks for having me. Just to get some background, when did you start Beads by Shy Designs and what inspired you? Originally, I started my business in 2020 during COVID. High school just kind of went downhill after, after all of that, and I was a senior at the time, so this is just a really difficult time in my life. And my mom has had this one beading book my whole life, and I think she always intended for me to learn how to bead one day. And I just picked it up one day and decided to try out a couple things. A few months later, I opened my Etsy shop and started selling all my stuff. You mentioned in a previous article that you had support from your families for buying supplies. Um, What did your friends think of you starting a business? I think my friends thought it was pretty cool. I think most of COVID was pretty isolating because I wasn't going to school. And, you know, Zoom, you can't really connect with people in the same way you can in person. Um, They've always supported me even now when I do my in-person markets. My friends from high school still come and see me and see all the work that I've done. And I think they're overall really proud of me as well. You also previously mentioned that in addition to selling your beadwork on Etsy, you start to sell it in person at Beastar Farmer's Market and Dancing Bear Indian Trader. How is selling your products online different from selling them in person and what was that shift like? Well, online you don't really get to connect with people the same way as you get to do in person. So when I started selling my stuff in person, I was able to see the way that people actually look at my work and compare to other, pe- other vendors around me. So it's a really good feeling to be like, wow, like I actually get to see you in person and see all the work that you've done and people, you know, get to actually talk to me about my work and I get to explain to people why I do what I do. It's always a really good conversation that I get to have with people when I sell it in person. And I personally like it a lot better. I know people are like, well, online is easier. And while yes, it's easier to sell online, I prefer in person because I'm really proud of what I do and I really like to share that with people. Do you find yourself using social media a lot to promote your beadwork? I do, yes. That's where most of my following comes from and where most of my customer base comes from is social media. And in person, when you sell your products, what kind of conversations do you think are most inspiring to you? I really like when I sell at Native events and when elders will come and talk to me and say, oh, when my eyes were better, I used to be able to do this, or I really like that you're showing our youth how to do these different cultural practices because there's not a lot of people that can teach, and I am self-taught, so I didn't have an elder to specifically teach me certain ways, but I can pass on my teachings to the younger generation, and that's what keeps our culture ongoing. Do you think your business has a strong influence from the values of the Lumbee tribe? Uh, yes, I am. My mom is Lumpy from Pembroke, North Carolina, and my dad's Shoshone Bannock from Fort Hall, Idaho. And I think growing up, I was really culturally involved in both of my tribes, and I've been to both my dad's reservation and then where my mom's tribe is from as well. And I think it's really important that I represent both of my tribes in my beadwork. For example, my mom's tribe, they do a lot of work with the medicine wheel, and I do trying to incorporate a lot of those colors in a lot of the beadwork that I make for myself and that I sell as well on my dad's reservation. 
they do a lot of moccasin and leather work, which I'm also trying to get into and, you know, learn how to do those kinds of crafts. You mentioned that you were self-taught in your skills, so how would you improve on your beadwork as you continue to learn new techniques? I practice every single day. I pretty much get an hour a day depending on how much homework and all that good stuff that I have. But it's always practicing and always, you know, looking at past work that I've done and how I can change, you know, this color scheme to make it look like it blends better or how can I tighten up this thread so it doesn't look so loose. And it's always like a constant reflection. Also getting inspired by other artists that I see on social media, getting ideas from them and, you know, getting inspiration sometimes when I don't always have like an idea that I plan on doing. Um, do you ever do your beadwork with other individuals, or is it more you just do it by yourself? I used to be mostly by myself, but actually recently with the Retention in American Indians Now project at Community Programs Office, I did a beading workshop where we beaded backpacks, and I had all of the American Indian Student Association come, and I taught everybody a couple little stitches that they could do and, you know, let everyone have their own kind of creative expression, which was really fun. I've done a couple beading workshops that have, they've gone good and some have gone, you know, a little bit south because um, beading is, you know, it, it isn't easy and it takes a lot of practice and it takes a lot of good eyesight as well. So, but it is really fun when I get to share it with other people, when other people get to learn and they're like, oh, I made something and, you know, they feel really good about it. How do you feel like the UCLA community and the Native community at UCLA has influenced your beadwork or how have you felt like the community has supported you at UCLA? I think I felt really supported coming in. I remember when I was a freshman at the time, the youth conference that the American Indian Student Association puts on invited me to do a presentation about beadwork. And so immediately right off the bat, they wanted to include me in stuff. And that also feels really good that, you know, somebody actually cares about my work outside of being Native. And I think that being in that club has really allowed me to grow into my outgoing personality. I think it gives me a really good space that I can go just be myself, but also be able to share my culture with them. Since we all come from very different tribes and very different parts of the world and other states as well, I think it's just really cool that I get to share that with everybody. And I think everyone also really appreciates that as well. Not a lot of Native kids grow up being very cultural, so a lot of it is very new to them, and I like that I get to be a part of their reconnecting journey. Um, you also mentioned in a previous article that uh, lots of people ask you about cultural appropriation, so what do you think is considered appropriate versus not appropriate? I think that for me personally, everybody, every Native person will say something different. I love when other people want to buy Native beadwork. At, sometimes at Native events, there's a lot of non-Natives that come and they want to buy beadwork and they want to support Native artists, and I think that's great. If you're not Native and you want to support Native artists, I think it's 100% okay to buy from Native artists as long as, you know, you're buying from, you know, a good source. But, like, as you've seen with a lot of mainstream companies making beadwork and putting it out on the market, that is a cultural appropriation. That's not showing the Native community the way it is that's just profiting off of something they think is cute. And you also mentioned that knowing the history of beadwork is important, and can you tell us a little bit about why is beadwork important to the Native American community? 
Uh, well, beading as it is today has definitely come a long way of how we used to do beadwork many, many years ago. It is a lot more modernized. We didn't always have glass beads and needles, but the premise is still the same. We had our different types of beads. We used bones, whatever dried up berries we would find, and adding that to our regalia pieces. And it's just more of an expression rather than more of a cultural practice. I think nowadays with the technology and the tools that we have, we've just expanded on that previous knowledge and I think that that's really important. But remembering where we started out versus where we are now, I think is really important. You know, we didn't always have all these really nice things and now we do and we can express our culture in a more fun and a more individual way rather than everyone kind of, you know, having the exact same thing. And with all the new tools that are now available, what do you think is the hardest beadwork to make and what's the easiest one? I think the easiest one would be, oh, that's a hard question. <laughs> so I think probably the hardest thing for me is beading on leather because the needles, they're just going to stab you right in the hand and it's very painful. Um, so leather work, I would say, is definitely the hardest work for me like beading moccasins is pretty difficult and making designs line up and doing all the different stitches I think is pretty difficult. I would say for me the easiest is probably like little dangly earrings because you just throw them on and tie a knot and you call it a day. <laughs> since beadwork is individual, do you think that since you do have a business aspect that creating beadwork for others takes away from the individuality of it? I personally don't. A lot of the beadwork that I do, I just have an idea and I just put it out there into the universe. And I think that's what a lot of people appreciate. And if you go on Instagram and you look at other beaders, you can see that every beader has their own individual style. While I may make the same type of beadwork as somebody else, if you look at our beadwork side by side, you can tell that one person likes this type of stitch over another type of stitch or that one person likes to use this cut of a bead rather than another cut of a bead. So you can definitely tell that there's a style to each beater, which I think is really cool. And you know, when you look at someone's beadwork collection, you can tell that they came from different artists. You can, you know, you do have an individual aspect. I think some of the times where it's limiting is when, for example, you have a custom order and somebody wants something very specific I do have to make what the customer wants, but I always have other ideas. I'm like, oh, you could add this color here, you could do this design here. So I would say that's probably the only time where I'm pretty limited. And speaking of colors, in a previous interview you said that different colors mean different things. So can you go over what are the most important colors in beadwork? So there's kind of two groups, I would say, that are color specific that mean certain things. So the medicine wheel colors are red, black, yellow and white and those colors you know represent healing each color the medicine wheel means something different to each tribe so if you talk to every single person you'll hear something different about what that means and I think that that's really cool and I try to incorporate that a lot into my beadwork and then there's also colors that just look good together so people typically really want so I always get requests for turquoise and then black red orange yellow and white and that's like fire colors is what people call in the community and those colors just blend really well together so people just enjoy that so you'll see that very often. What's your personal favorite color? My personal favorite color is lately I've been really enjoying like burgundies 
burgundies and like ombre reds has been like my thing lately, which I really like. Did you have any obstacles creating your business or any backlash? Oh yes. I was actually talking about this with one of my mentors yesterday, but when I first started doing TikTok specifically, people had a heyday just being like, oh, well, you don't look native, you're not native. And I think that that's something that usually really, really puts poison in the native community is, you know, native people pitting each other against each other. And I'm a really big advocate of there's no one way to look native. While, yeah, I might have lighter skin, that doesn't mean absolutely anything. So I think that that was like one of the most, it was just kind of annoying because I grew up with a lot of people who were all different skin tones, came from different, you know, tribes, and I grew up that that was normal. So when I first experienced that, I was like, um, these people actually don't know anything and they're just uneducated. And so for a long time, I tried to do a lot of educational stuff, but you know, at the end of the day, people are gonna believe whatever they want and you kind of just have to blow it off and just be like, well, that sounds like a personal problem and I can't help with that. Um, and it doesn't really bother me anymore at this point. I'm like, LOL, you, that, that's on you. Like, I, I can't help you with what you think, but, but you can't like let that stuff get to you because then, you know, I won't want to post anything or, you know, that'll stop people from pursuing their craft, so. So initially, would you respond by just ignoring them or would you respond by posting the educational TikToks? I would post educational things or, you know, try to educate them on that blood quantum's not actually real, which is, you know, a controversial opinion as well. But that didn't actually do anything and it doesn't actually educate anybody. So I just ignore them now and I let other people fight in the comment section about it because I don't have time for that. So. Do you also use TikTok to promote your business as well, or do you just use it to show how to make a bead work? I do a little bit of both, so it just kind of depends on, you know, what I have going on. Like, during the summer when I have more time, it's more of, like, how I make stuff. And then during the school year when I have a little bit less time, it's just showing off my work. Hey, this is for sale, or hey, I'm going to be at this event here. So it kind of just depends on the time of the year and how much time I have. Um, how many TikTok followers do you have? I think I have 173,000 right now. Did your following on Instagram and TikTok start over COVID like exponentially or was it more of a slow increase? It was a little bit of both. So I had a couple of TikToks go viral and that obviously did boost a lot of followers pretty immediately. Over time, I also did grow after that because I mean, just being on the platform for a long time, more people are going to, you know, interact with your content. But it was, a, yeah, it was definitely a little bit of both. And it was more, in the beginning, it was more just like there's more people on the internet and more people on TikTok. So the likelihood of, like, your video catching somebody's eye was probably more likely. Is your main mode of selling your products through social media or is it also a mix of in-person and social media? I have a website now, so that is where I do sell mostly, but I do also sell at in-person events when I have time in between school things. Um, how do you balance actually creating the beadwork and then marketing and then later selling them? It's, it is a long process because I have to come up with the idea first and then I spend, you now I spend a couple days working on a piece rather than like being at home during the summer and I have all day to just sit there for multiple hours and bead. It usually take me about a week to put up one piece on my website between making it 
photographing it and then uploading it to my website. And then how often do you think you have to come up with new ideas or do you find yourself creating like the same type of beadwork? It really depends. I think right now, since I just don't have a lot of time, it tends to be like similar styles of beadwork because that's kind of the path that I'm on right now. But during when I have more time, like during breaks, I will just like be out shopping one day and my mom's like, I have this idea. And then I'll be like, okay. And then we come home and brainstorm and then I can make different types of different types of earrings or necklace or whatever I'm feeling that day. Um, but when I have a little less time to be creative, it tends to be more of the same thing. Like during the trial and error process of creating beadwork, what do you think is a common mistake that you've made and how have you overcome it? I think the common mistake that I made was more from a business perspective is every month, I used to do on the first of the month, putting out a whole slew of beadwork, which was very unattainable because I'll never have time like I did in 2020. And also it's very limiting because you just think, oh, I have to put all this beadwork out because every other person is putting beadwork out on this day or this time and you want to be competitive. And I've kind of learned now that it's not about being competitive. It's about I made this piece and I want somebody else to love it just as much as I do. So I don't really put time constraints on myself like I used to. I think that that's a really common mistake. I think with all business owners is, you know, feeling that you have to be putting stuff out constantly. And it's not that way in the beadwork community because everybody understands that you are just doing it all by yourself and you're the sole artist. And I think people understand that more. What are your goals for Beats by Shy Designs and where do you see the brand going? My overall goal is to be at events every weekend. I had started doing powwows around last year and my goal is to be able to have a full setup with beadwork and I'm now sewing and you know making different pieces. So my goal is to have a complete setup and set up at multiple powwows every year. And lastly, do you have any advice for aspiring entrepreneurs? My main advice is to trust your gut. There's been a lot of times where I've gotten advice from other people. While it may be good advice, I think that your business and you as a person is very individualized. And I think that a lot of businesses, for example, clothing companies, they have a different way of running their business than someone who is an artist and who's just running it by themselves and don't feel pressured to have to do the same things that mainstream companies do because you're not the same and your work is a lot more valuable than what you buy at Walmart. <laughs>